Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us to rest, to gather together as your people, to learn to love you more and to walk in your paths. We pray that you would grant that we may utilize this portion of time well uh, to the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So, young people, this is your cue to depart, and not so young people, we are continuing with our study of the confession, and if you've got a hymnal, it's found on page 935 in the back of your hymnal. We're going to be looking at chapter 27, and I have a uh, fairly good uh, expectation we'll just begin looking at it today. So chapter 27 is of the sacraments. Now, how many, honest question, how many would say that this is a pressing, theological, urgent issue for you to understand what the sacraments are and how many there are? How much time do you, on a, you know, when you're considering religion, when you're considering what you know of the scriptures, how much energy do you pour into the sacraments? Not much, thank you. <laughs> I think that's probably true for all of us. Uh, it's, it's not something that is a particularly pressing issue for us today. Part of that is because of the Reformation. Uh, prior to the Reformation... The Roman Catholic Church taught, or it still continues to teach, but, but with the Reformation we begin a break from that. But it taught that you must partake in the sacraments in order to gain paradise. So what are the sacraments? The Roman Catholic Church has got seven of them. We'll look at them here in just a minute. But, but the sacraments become the essential thing that we look to for our eternal salvation. In today's more Protestant evangelical uh, categories, what would you say is that essential thing that we consider for salvation? What, what is it that you look to in order to say, I'm right with God? Faith, and particularly your profession of faith. Uh, I know that I'm right with God because I prayed the sinner's prayer. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. Uh, it, it occurred at a summer Bible camp when I was eight years old. Or it occurred in a jail cell where I had been arrested for my eighth DUI, and I was down on my knees in front of the, the bunk, and I turned my life over to Jesus and I ask Jesus to come into my heart and to guide my life. It's our profession of faith that becomes the thing that we hang on to, that tells us that we are right with God. In the Roman Catholic Church, that was not and still is not uh, the, the thing that we hang on to. The thing that we hang on to for a Roman Catholic, equivalent to the thing that we hang on to for a Protestant. 
the Protestant, the thing that we hang on to is our profession of faith. I ask Christ into my heart. I turn my life over to Christ. That's what I hang on to. For the Roman Catholics, it's the sacraments. The, the, the sacraments of the church are the life of the church, and they are the instrument through which God gives grace. And so profession of faith is, is they, they do have something uh, along that line. But, but for the Roman Catholic, you're really looking at the sacraments uh, as the essential thing. And so the very first thing that we want to consider is, okay, so what is a sacrament? Now, first off, the word sacrament is not found anywhere in the Bible. Uh, so it is a completely extra-biblical theological term. And it comes from the Latin sacramentos is a military oath of allegiance. So that's what the word means in Latin. It's a military oath of allegiance. So you guys who are in the military, you know that that first oath uh, that you took to defend the Constitution and whatever else it is you swore to do, <laughs> take all your COVID vaccines or whatever, um, that, that oath that you took when you joined the United States Armed Forces is kind of the foundation that is supposed to drive everything else that you do. Uh, so, you know, 20 years down the line, when you are engaging with some decision this way or that way, you're, you're referred back to that military oath of allegiance. And that's what a sacrament is. It's a military oath of allegiance. Um, and so in the, in the church, this military, so, so actually I like the word, I like the word sacrament because I think it does bring in a biblical understanding of the faith. Uh, Jesus is our, is our captain. He, you know, Paul uses military language, put on the whole armor of God. Uh, he, he talks about fighting, uh, the good fight. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith, therefore there is laid up, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Um, so, so there's a lot of military language uh, that the New Testament uses to describe your commitment to the gospel, your commitment to the church. And so just from that perspective, the, the word sacrament is a perfectly good word. Um, but it, it developed as we, or as the Roman Catholic Church, develop more what is this oath of allegiance and how do we make this oath of allegiance. So a profession of faith really is an oath of allegiance, right? When you make a profession of faith, dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart, take over my life. I'm, I'm giving you the reins of my life. That's a very simplistic oath of allegiance. Jesus Christ is going to be my Savior and my Lord. Uh, he is going to be the one that I follow for the rest of my life. It's an oath of allegiance. That profession of faith is our oath of allegiance. For the Roman Catholic Church, the profession of faith is not your oath of allegiance, but all of the sacraments are. And so they've got seven sacraments. 
So let's see how many of our good lapsed Roman Catholics. <laughs> First communion. if you're Irish. One, two, three, four, five. Communion, Holy Orders, Last Rites, Marriage, Confirmation, and Confession. Uh, Roman Catholics will refer to Last Rites as extreme unction because it also applies to those, uh, you're, you're anointed with oil uh, if you're extremely, extremely ill. Uh, and so extreme unction is, is the label that they use for it. Also, Last Rites. Uh, so these are the seven sacraments of the Roman Catholic Church. And if you'll notice, they begin from birth and they continue to death. And so every step in this chain, every process or every, every part of this process, it's your whole life that is your salvation. Uh, now, as, as a Protestant somewhat parallel, this would be controversial if you're a theological geek, but um, I think a very close parallel is a movement that has been in reform circles in the past. I don't know that it's such a big deal today, but Federal Vision. Uh, Federal Vision holds that our security is based not on our profession of faith, it's based upon our faithfulness. Uh, and so it's our faithfulness to the church. These are outward signs that we can judge by. And so it's the outward signs that are the, the, the signal as, as to whether or not I am walking with the Lord or not. Uh, and, and so, you know, am I participating? Have I been baptized? Am I participating in communion? Uh, am I participating in the life of faith? And if I'm participating in the life of faith, that's my assurance uh, of my salvation. And so that's one of the reasons that, uh, at least in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, we have had a real problem with federal vision. Uh, because while they're not entirely Roman Catholic, and I think it's unfair to, to put that label on them, they're very much kind of kissing cousins. They're nudging and saying, hey, I, I kind of like some of the insights you've got. Shall be saved. That's right. Absolutely. 
All of those things, absolutely, 100% agree with. It is, it is, uh, you are called to run well and to finish the race. And when Paul is looking at his coming death, that's exactly the language he uses. I have kept the faith, I have run the race, uh, and henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. But is it my running the race that I look to for my assurance, or is it Jesus Christ and his accomplished work on the cross that I look to for my assurance? That's <laughs> that that is true theologically, but it's the Roman Catholics are saying no, it's not uh it's it's not your profession of faith uh that is at the heart of this. What is at the heart of it is are you faithful to to uh, uh confession? Are you faithful to the Lord's Supper? Are you faithfully participating? It's one of the reasons that uh, a Roman Catholic on their deathbed or soldiers on the battlefield, it's such a big deal to get last rites because those last rites are the priest's final washing of you just before you die and uh, go to the afterlife. And so you can go into the afterlife with a clean slate because you've received extreme unction. You've, you've received the last rites. Right. And then a screaming example is on nine eleven a priest was giving last rites to those at nine eleven when he was killed when somebody jumped in the building and landed on him. Right. So so the last rites are are you know, it's not just I'm gonna pray for you <laughs> on your deathbed. It's this is what is necessary for you to have assurance that you are going to be in paradise. No, it's not. That's why we're not Roman Catholic. We're not holding on to it. I'm saying it's false. I'm saying this is why this is such an important issue for us. uh, Because this is what Rome taught for 1,500 years and still continues to teach today. And it was around the 1500s, when people started going, hey, this is not in the Bible. <laughs> that's the problem. Uh, that's exactly the problem. Uh, last rites should be given at the last, because that's a problem. <laughs> if, if you receive last rites and then you suddenly get better, your soul's in jeopardy again. Sanctification is not the reason. 
Right. So last rites are confirmation. They're not complete absolution. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that, that was the point. Even, even if you receive last rites, you're going to spend time in purgatory. Uh, you still do have to purge yourself of the, of the sin, or God will purge you, uh, of the, of the remaining sin that is within you before you can be holy and enter into His presence. <clears throat> so at any rate, my, my point in bringing all this up is simply to try to emphasize how important a good theology of the sacraments are. Uh, a good sacramental theology. What does the Bible teach about sacraments? Uh, because certainly in the Roman Catholic arena, sacraments are essential, uh, and, and it's a lifelong process. But I would say in the Protestant arena, we've kind of gone off in the other direction, uh, where the sacraments are, you know, if I'm not taking the Lord's Supper or if I'm not baptized, it's not really a big deal. My, my spiritual relationship is between me and Jesus. Uh, you know, I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. And, and why do I need to be a member of a church? Why do I need to be baptized? Why? What's the big deal about taking the Lord's Supper? It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's something that's helpful. It, you know, kind of gives you warm fuzzies and it reminds you of what Jesus has done. But it's not really that important that we would, uh, really miss it. Um, and so what Westminster does right here at the outset is, is to say, okay, we need to define what a sacrament is. We need to be very clear on what a sacrament is. So, that's where we start, now that I'm six minutes away from the end. <laughs> um, that's why I said we're not even going to approach getting done with this today. Um, so, section one of chapter 27. Sacraments are holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace. So, that's the first thing that we see, is it is a sign and seal. And we'll come back to that. What, what does that mean that it's a sign and seal? Then the second clause, immediately instituted by God. Another way of saying that is directly. And now, this is an important principle, not just for sacraments, but for Reformed theology as a whole. The Bible has to say, do this. If the Bible doesn't say, do this, then we don't say, do this. It's got to be found in the Word of God. That's the uh, solas of the Reformation. One of those is sola scriptura. Scripture alone. <coughs> Excuse me is our authority, Scripture alone. And so these sacraments, what the, these military oaths of allegiance, have to be directly commanded by God uh, in order for us to say this is a sacrament. You're right.
It's directly commanded by God. So you're jumping way ahead. <laughs> We're trying to simplify it. We're trying to simplify it because... Fair enough. You, that, that's what we're saying a sacrament is. This is directly commanded by God. Uh, and, and that's, that's what a sacrament is. It's something directly commanded by God. But it is important because we've got such a wide understanding among people who all call themselves Christians. And so we do need to clearly define, uh, and, and we'll get into it later. I think it's section two. No, four. Section 4 is there's only two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. That's all there is. It's called building a clear foundation and address... I mean, there's an awful lot of people that have got an awful... I mean, here's, here's an example. Here's an example. The Reformation had a conflict right at the start. Luther nails his 95 theses to the Wittenberg door in 1517. John Calvin comes along and writes his first edition of the Christian Institutes in 1526. And by 1530, 1535, uh, oh, I forgot the name of it. Uh, anyway, the, there, there's a council in which the reformers and the Lutherans try to come together. And the thing that they are debating is in what way is Christ present in the Lord's Supper? So what does the scripture say that Jesus says about the Lord's Supper? He says, this is my body. So is that bread the body of Jesus? That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, this is my body. Well, <laughs> yeah, this is pre-Clinton. <laughs> and, and that's where we've got to bring theology. So... Luther took that phrase, this is my body, and said, the bread is... Well, that's Calvin. You're, out, you're arguing like a Calvinist now. <laughs> John Calvin says he's clearly using symbolic language. And Luther says, no... The Word of God says, this is my body. And so, and so that's where they broke. My point is, that's why this stuff is important, is, is because someone can come along and say, I believe God's Word literally, and the, you know, Jesus very literally says, this is my body. The Roman Catholic Church is taught that it's the body of Christ all along. Uh, they, there are two miracles that take place in the, in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. The first miracle is that the bread becomes literally the body of Jesus Christ. The second miracle is that the body of Jesus Christ miraculously looks and tastes like bread. 
So there, there are two distinct miracles that, that take place every time the, the Lord's Supper is celebrated in the Roman Catholic Church. Right, the wine, yes, granted, yes. The wine becomes the blood of Christ, and the second miracle, it tastes just like wine. <laughs> um, and so there are actual miracles that, that take place every time the Lord's Supper uh, is observed in the Roman Catholic Church. And that's where Luther said, you know, this is, this is my body, this is my blood, uh, means exactly that. And Calvin is saying, come on, dude, this is symbolic language. And, and exactly, uh, I think actually in the extra Calvinisticum, uh, he brings up the, this, I am the door. He says, nobody says that Jesus is a plank of wood with a handle on it. Uh, this is symbolic language. Uh, and in the same way. So at any rate, that, but that's why it's important is because we're all over the place, uh, on this, and so we got to nail it down. Uh, that first, it's a sign and seal. Secondly, it's directly commanded by God. The third element is it represents Christ and His benefits. To us, the fourth is it confirms our interest now what that means is baptism is something that is a confirming thing that says, I belong to Jesus. And whether we administer baptism covenantally to our babies or whether we, we administer it upon profession of faith, we're both saying the same thing. Either this baby belongs to Jesus or we're saying, as, as, a, as a professing believer, I belong to Jesus. Uh, and so it's, it's confirming an interest in Christ and his benefits, and it puts a... Uh, I'm running out of space. Uh. <laughs> End time. All right. So I'll just list them, and then we'll close. <laughs> and we'll pick up the discussion. It's a good discussion. It's, it's, uh, it's healthy not only to say, what is this, but why? Uh, why do we do this? Uh, the It confirms our interest in Christ. The fifth is that it puts a visible difference that is a horrible marker apparently it it um it puts a visible difference between, I'm sorry, I put Christ in the world. It's the church and the world. So, so what is it that visibly marks the church apart from the world? Well, we are baptized. We're baptized into the triune name, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
that's a visible mark uh, that is that cuts separates us from from those who are not of the faith. And the second thing that is a visible mark is we are the ones who partake of the Lord's Supper. Just as an aside, uh, this is why we fence the table. Uh, and some churches, Sterling will do a visible, uh, I'm sorry, a verbal fencing where when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, I'll say this is for believers. This is for baptized members in good standing of a gospel preaching church. If you're not a believer, please let this thing pass by you. Uh, but please do come and talk to myself or to one of the ruling elders. We'd love to show you how you may know that you are in Christ, etc., etc. Other churches, and this, is, this has been a big issue over, over the centuries, uh, other churches will have the session interview you prior to the service. Uh, we're celebrating the Lord's Supper today. Could you please step aside? We'd like to inquire uh, about your profession of faith, about your church membership, etc., etc. In the 1700s 1800s in the United States, uh, they used to use tokens. Uh, and so when, when someone was traveling, your church gave you a communion token. And so if you're visiting another church when they're having the Lord's Supper, you're expected to present your communion token. And that's a sign that you are a member in good standing of a gospel preaching church. So the way in which we fence varies. Some verbal, some more, uh, I hate to use the word strict, but, uh, some, some more physical, I guess. Uh, but we all fence. Uh, we all say this is for believers. This, this presents a visible difference. Uh, between the church and the world. And then the final clause there in section one is that it solemnly engages the church in worship and in service. So these six, these six principles are the principles by which we say, is this a biblical sacrament or is it not? Was it directly instituted by God? Does it in some way show us Christ and his benefits? Uh, uh, is it a sign and a seal of the covenant of grace? Does it confirm our interest in Christ? Does it put a visible difference between the church and the world? And does it solemnly engage the church in the worship and service of God in Christ? If so, it's a sacrament. Uh, it's part of that military oath. Uh, if, it, if it fulfills all six of these, and as we'll see later on in section four, there's only two that, that fit all six of these things, and that's baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, but, but this is something that is going to be uh, significantly controversial within the Christian community. But it's been good discussion. I'm five minutes over time. Uh, let me go ahead and close us with a word of prayer, and we'll pick up, Lord willing, next week. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have given to us these visible signs and seals, even as we hear the gospel preached in your word, even as we are enlightened to it by your Holy Spirit, so also we feel and see the gospel in the water applied. We taste the gospel in the bread and the wine. 
Lord, help us to be enraptured uh, with your, your Son, our Savior. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.